Hi, my name is Stephen Mansfield and this is your 15. Our topic for this 15 is how do you live with the Holy Spirit? We've looked at some early, in some earlier 15s at who the Holy Spirit is to find out that he's a person and he's God, etc. We've looked at another, in another 15 at the functions or the roles of the Holy Spirit. What does he do? And now I want to talk to you about how to live with the Holy Spirit. Jesus made it very clear in the Gospel of John that when he ascended to the Father, he was sending the Holy Spirit to be with us. And he actually said, it's better for you that the Holy Spirit comes. It saddens me just a little bit that in the, in the Christian church, there are some segments of the church that are considered Holy Spirit oriented, more the charismatic and Pentecostal portions of the church, and there are others that are considered less Holy Spirit oriented. That's like being more or less Bible oriented or more or less Jesus oriented. It, it's really not an option. Uh, the Holy Spirit is, is sent to us to empower the Christian life uh, and to empower us to make a difference in the world. And so, uh, this, this emphasis that we're putting on the Holy Spirit in these 15s is something that all of us need, need to welcome. So if you're watching and you're not a believer, I hope it's something that you hunger for. And if you're watching and you are a believer, I hope also it's something that you hunger for in the sense of a deeper relationship with the Holy Spirit. So let's talk about how the Holy Spirit comes into our life. The Bible makes it very clear that when we are born again, the Holy Spirit lives in us. There's just simply no question about this. Uh, in 1 John 3, uh, in verse 24, for example, the Bible makes it very clear that this is how we know we are in Jesus, by the Spirit that lives in us. So uh, this is a clear statement. And then we have another one, by the way, in John 20 and verse 22, the Gospel of John 20 and verse 22. As soon as the early apostles, uh, or the, at that point they were called the disciples, as soon as they saw the resurre resurrected Jesus Christ, the Bible says he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So when we, these are all examples of when we are born again, we receive the Holy Spirit in our lives. There's just simply no question about that from the Bible. And what's interesting is uh, that this endowment, this uh, empowering from the Holy Spirit that we received at salvation is, is really uh, an empowering to live the normal Christian life. The Holy Spirit dwells in us. He's replicating the life of Jesus. Uh, he's empowering. He's teaching us, giving us the fruit of the Holy Spirit, you know, patience and love and joy and peace and those types of things that the Bible describes. Um, he's replicating the life of Jesus in us. So let's be very clear, because Christians have certainly fought over this during the years, that when we become Christians, when we give our lives to Jesus, when we become born again, the Spirit of God absolutely takes up residence in our lives. Now, what's important for us also to understand is that there is another experience of the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm using the word experience, but I'm hesitant to use it because I don't want to give us the impression that it's just experience for experience's sake. When Jesus was about to ascend and leave his disciples after he'd been resurrected and after he'd hung out with them for some weeks, he said to them, stay in Jerusalem, until you receive power from on high to be my witnesses, and then go and make disciples in the world. In other words, he was describing a, a, another level of the Holy Spirit. I shouldn't call that a level, uh, but another endowment, another kind of empowering from the Holy Spirit uh, so that they could be witnesses. The first endowment or empowering of the Holy Spirit was when people get saved, when they first commit their lives to Jesus, is for them to live the Christian life. The second one, this other experience that it's very clear that the disciples had, 
uh, is for empowering them to reach still others. So, on the day of Pentecost, in Acts chapter 2, uh, there's no question that people who are already believers in Jesus Christ, people who are al already have the Spirit of God living on the inside of them, had, the Holy, had an experience where the Holy Spirit filled the room and then filled them, and they then, in that situation, spoke in other tongues. This is called, later on, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. In fact, uh, in, in other places then, Acts chapter 8, verse 14, other places in the, in the book of Acts, um, we are told that there are people who are going around even, even preaching Jesus, people who are, who are born-again Christians and doing good things, and someone mentions to them baptism in the Holy Spirit, and they say, we hadn't even heard that there was a baptism in the Holy Spirit. So in other words, these are people who are Christian, they have the Spirit of God on the inside of them, and yet they have not even heard that there's this empowering from the Holy Spirit. So I'm not trying to build a big, you know, wall between the two of them, but we really can't experience the fullness of these things until we understand them biblically. You receive the Holy Spirit when you're born again, but there's also an empowering from the Holy Spirit to reach others. The first one is for you as an individual to live your Christian life. The second comes as an empowering to reach still others. And I find it very interesting uh, that when the Pentecostal revivals began at the beginning of the 1900s, uh, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit sort of came back into the church and became a central thing again in the church, that the next hundred years were, according to missiologists, people who study missions and, and, and the church expansion, according to missiologists, the next hundred years were the greatest period of expansion of Christianity in the history of Christianity. In other words, when the baptism of the Holy Spirit became a normal experience in the church during that next century, that's when the church reached more people than ever. It's because the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not about creating an elite group of Christians. It's not about uh, some kind of God loves them more. Uh, it's not about anything like that. It's about an empowering from the Holy Spirit for those who have set their faces to fulfill the Great Commission, to make disciples, to change the world. That's what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for. And so on the day of Pentecost, the sort of birthday of the church, you had people who already believed in Jesus, who already had the Spirit of God living on the inside of them, and who were in fact in a prayer meeting at the time. And the Holy Spirit came, baptized them, as the Bible says, gave them the gift of tongues, um, and they became empowered to preach the gospel and do signs and wonders and, and other things of that nature. So this is very, very important, and this is how we begin to come into a relationship with the Holy Spirit. I want to say that if you're watching this and you're not a Christian, uh, of course, at any point you can ask Jesus Christ to come into your life. You can say, Lord, I believe that you're the Son of God. I believe you died for the sins of the world. I want you to be my Lord. I want you to live in me, and I want the Spirit of God to live in me and conform me to the image of Jesus. And then, once you're a Christian, and for those of you who are already Christians, of course there's always this baptism of the Holy Spirit to ask for, which is a special, to use the old word, endowment, an empowering, uh, an immersion, so to speak, in the power of God uh, to, to accomplish the things that need to be accomplished so that we can reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, another principle that we need to need to understand is that even after we've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, uh, even after we've received that empowering from the Holy Spirit uh, to do the, great, do the things God's called us to do in terms of reaching the world, the Bible shows repeatedly that the early church, the Christians in the early church, who had received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, continued to be filled. Uh, uh, Peter or someone would stand up and, and begin to speak. The Bible would say, and he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, he had been there at the day, on, on the day of Pentecost. He had been there and received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But this is the great truth. 
of, of Christianity, that the Holy Spirit wants to fill us again and again, not just as an emotional experience, but as an empowering to do great things. Um, and this is not just for the great and powerful. Believe me, I am no big deal, and yet I have stood in front of crowds in foreign countries or preached in ch before churches here in the U.S. or uh, done other things, challenged people in, in, in meaningful and intense moments, and I felt that that filling of the Holy Spirit where your whole being is animated by the Holy Spirit and you're given wisdom and strength that you don't normally have. So it's not just something for the, for the first century church. It's not just something for the elite. It's not just something that Billy Graham, you know, or, or, or the famous ones know. It's meant for everybody. Uh, I'm 100% convinced that my mother was on several occasions filled with the Holy Spirit when she was uh, rebuking and challenging me, her, her son, big athletic son who was tw almost twice her size, uh, and challenging me with a strength that scared me with its holiness and its righteousness and its power. Here again, she was being empowered to do what she was called to do in terms of being my mother. So this is simply the, 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 the surge, the strengthening of the Holy Spirit that comes uh, to empower us to do the things that we're called to do. Now, once all of that begins to happen in our lives, once those are the spiritual dynamics in our lives, uh, one of the most important truths in the New Testament about the Holy Spirit is that he is sent to guide us and to lead us. And I've referred to this in another 15, but this is simply one of the most important aspects of the Holy Spirit's work. Uh, he will lead us. He will guide us. He will show us the way we ought to go. He will guide our steps. And this, this even the language that we use about this uh, begins to be confusing to some people because when a person like me goes out into the world and let's say, I'm just making this up, of course, as an example, let's say I'm on CNN and they're asking me about the kind of Christianity that we live and I say, well, the, you know, the Holy Spirit leads or the Holy Spirit speaks. Well, they, you know, either disbelieve or they just start laughing because they think I'm saying that I'm having some ecstatic experience and God is speaking in the open air to me and me alone and I'm better than everyone else. And you've watched that kind of thing be criticized in the press before. Well, the leading of the Holy Spirit is, is something that's far more intimate. Because the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, he can do things like form words in our minds. He can do things like cause certain scriptures to come back to our memory. He can uh, cause us to suddenly not feel right about which way we're going or a decision that we're making or something that's happening. Um, I recently was in a conversation where uh, we were having a very fine conversation and then suddenly the conversation turned and began to be critical of someone. And uh, I'm not claiming any special holiness, but I began to feel uh, like, oh, we shouldn't go this way. And I, and I asked these other Christian friends that the conversation shift away from that. and They immediately knew what I meant. That's the Holy Spirit's leading. I didn't fall on the floor and writhe. My head didn't spin around. You know, I didn't have an ecstatic vision. The tongues of fire didn't appear on my head. I didn't grow wings. It's just a leading on the inside. It's actually so intimate that it actually meshes in with your thoughts. Um, many, many, many times in my own life, I'm in a position of asking God what he'd like for me to say at a given sermon session or teaching session. And uh, words will begin to form themselves in my mind, not in some occult way, maybe a scripture, maybe a theme, maybe a, I'll remember a scene from Jesus' life, something of that nature, maybe remember something I've taught before. 
This is how the Holy Spirit works. It's just the normal leading and guiding of the Holy Spirit. Husbands and wives pray together, God, which way do you want us to go? Which job should we take? Where should we live? What, which of these houses is ours? Whatever the decision is, what car help uh, guide us to the right college for our kids? All of those things. And they have a sense that something is right. Never does it become an audible voice. Uh, never, you know, it's not like there's a holy glow over one college campus as opposed to another. Um, it's, it's, it's the inner leading of the Holy Spirit. And this is what many people don't understand. The Holy Spirit, the Bible said that Jesus is closer than a brother. Well, well, the Holy Spirit is really, in a sense, even closer than that in the sense that he's living on the inside of us. And he's working with our thoughts and our inner sense. Now, of course, these things can be misunderstood. People have all through Christianity at some times thought they were being led by the Spirit when they weren't. Um, but that's where we have outside checks and balances. We have pastors. We have other friends to confirm with. We have the scriptures to guide us. Anyone who thinks they're being led into whole new doctrines of Christianity, well, they're just, they're just making things up and they're un, uh, not really wise about how the Holy Spirit leads. The bottom line is what we've shared in another 15 and that is that the Holy Spirit wants to have a relationship with us, wants us to know what he sounds like, know what he wants us to do, uh, wants us to, to have, as that word koinonia means, have a life in common with him. I want every aspect of my life to be had in common with the Holy Spirit. Um, I want him to lead me when it comes to my marriage. Um, I want him, believe me, when it comes to driving in a strange city, <laughs> to help me, show me which way to go. doesn't mean a map appears in my brain. It just means maybe my attention's drawn to something, or I'm aware this can't be right, I'm going the wrong way. You know, we all have that sort of mystical, unspoken, irrational process somewhere in our lives. Um, I once asked a famous guitar player in Nashville, how do you know where you, what to do? And what he said next sounded like total mysticism to me, it sounded like another religion, but it was just the invisible side of his art. Well, that really is what we're talking about, isn't it? It's the invisible art of the Holy Spirit in fashioning us, in leading us, and it's something wonderful. It's something glorious. And you, of course, have to grow in it. One of the things I want to be sure to emphasize is that this relationship with the Holy Spirit is... Uh, you know, it's not like it, ha it, just, it just comes and happens uh, instantly. Um, there are friends that I have that I met. When I first met them, I thought, huh, what an interesting personality. I don't know that I'll be around that person very much. Now they're my closest friends. Why? Got to know them. Got to know what they like. Got to know when their birthday is. Got to know their style, their personality. Uh, we, we relate to each other. Um, you know, and the same is true with my wife. I married my wife, love her, crazy about her. But I've, I've had a lot of years to learn what's best for her, what's not best for her, what can happen at 6 in the morning, and what's better left for afternoon. You understand that, that we learn about each other's personalities. Holy Spirit's a personality. And he has come to replicate the life of Jesus. And as you grow in the things of the Spirit, you will learn how to be led by him. You will learn how to be guided by him. You will even learn how to be empowered by him. It's not going to make you weird. It's going to make you better and more of who you are, and more importantly, more of who Jesus has called you to be. And that's your 15.